John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. Pleased to be joined by my buddy Ron Wolfley, who does the color on the Cardinal broadcast, does morning drive in Phoenix, and of course uh, does such a great job. And, you know, certainly uh, we rewarded him several years ago as Seattle beat people because, you know, he was the one on a special teams play that took out Brian Bosworth. And of course, uh, we had to give him a postseason award for that because, you know, as talented as Brian Bosworth was, covering him was a mess. Ron, Glad to have you here on Schooled with the Professor. No, absolutely, Johnny. Man, that brought back a memory right there. I can still see the fruit basket you guys sent me. (laughs) All sorts of goodies in that thing, all wrapped up. Man, I wish I knew where that basket was right now. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope you ate the uh, things that were in the basket. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. You know I ate it. Look at me, John. I know, that's true. me right now? I wish I I had it again, just so I could eat it again. (laughs) That'd be good stuff. All right, so... Uh, I was saying before the season, you know, based on watching the offseason, that the Arizona Cardinals were going to be the most improved team in football. Four and two, two disappointing losses, one to Carolina, one to Detroit. Are they the most improved team in football? Oh, boy, Johnny, I think it's way too early to actually call them the most improved team in football. It's amazing that they're four and two right now. And honestly, I... I saw the San Francisco 49ers in week one, and I'm thinking to myself, boy, that's going to be a tough one. That's one of those games you look at and you say to yourself, well, they're probably going to lose that game. Defending NFC champions um, at their stadium, week one, very, very difficult game to go on the road and get a win. Well, they got that win right there. And then they came back and they beat Washington. And, John, I can tell you, those two games in particular, really, I started to allow myself to think, oh, Oh, baby, maybe they are going to be the most improved team in the National Football League. And the reason being is because you went and you beat a team like the 49ers in their stadium, and then you came back and, oh, here comes the woeful Washington football team. And they're playing at State Farm Stadium, and they've got Dwayne Haskins, and he's really struggling. And everything said, oh, this is going to be an easy victory for the Arizona Cardinals. And guess what? They went out and they took care of business, and they beat Washington. And I thought they beat him soundly. And I thought to myself, the juxtaposition of those two games, the 49ers defending NFC champions and then the lowly Washington football team, and yet they took care of business in both those games. I believed, looking at their schedule, knowing that you have the, the Lions coming up on the horizon, knowing, right, that you had the Carolina Panthers. I mean, you looked at the schedule with the New York Jets, and you were allowing yourself to think, this team could be 5-0 and before they go to Dallas and play Dallas on Monday night. 5-0. and Now, if they were 5-0, and John, I'd have to say they are the most improved team in the NFL. But right now, looking at them, 3-2, and those two losses, disappointing you already said that against the lions and the panthers i don't think you can call them the most improved team not yet 
No, I, I can see that point. And, uh, you know, but you, you bring up a great point because it was back. I just did a column on this for The Washington Post on that we posted on Tuesday is that, uh, you know, I don't and, and you can answer this, too. In all your years of watching football, playing football, have you ever seen a year where there's more have and have nots? Than what you have. And what I mean by the have nots, you've got 10 teams, 10 with one win or less. To put that in perspective, there's eight last year at this time in week seven. And so there's 10 right now. And then you have a couple two and three teams that are byproducts of, well, of course, one uh, you know, in, in getting wins over the uh, one win or zero win teams. And so because of that, yeah. you got 12 and you saw Dallas. That's a 13th team that's not that good. And now we're starting to see you know, the, the Jets and Minnesota starting to trade some of their players. And so what has happened is it's feeding the teams in the NFC West and other good teams wins. Johnny, this is why you're you're writing for the Washington Post, and I and I am not. Okay, are you kidding me right there? Um, that I I didn't even think of that. I had no idea that there were that many one win teams or zero yeah. win teams in the league. The haves or have nots. I like that a lot, but. Man, it really does seem to be something that would be so appropriate for 2020, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, yeah. The pandemic and everything that has gone on right now and the fact that they didn't have OTAs, the fact that uh, they, they were doing everything virtually, uh, training camp was mitigated, totally controlled, shortened, truncated, any way you want to call it. Um, the fact they had no preseason games, I Man, it's just so weird. It's such an odd situation right now. So when I hear you say that, there's the haves and the have-nots. Man, I didn't even think about that. I really did not, but it seems so appropriate for this year. No doubt. And, of course, what you're seeing, and no no division sees it better than the NFC West. I mean, you're taking on an NFC East that's the worst division in football history. Right now, 2-15-1 uh, in non-division games. You're seeing an AFC East that basically is a two-team type of race, but, you know, the Jets are winless and bad. I mean, Buffalo's good. Right. New England, you're still trying to figure out. And then, you know, you can see that, you know, Miami, you know, they can be a byproduct of, you know, winning against some of the have-nots, but they're not all that good. And so, like, for example, Seattle rolls off a 5-0 and start in non-division games. You know, they faced good quarterbacks, but they didn't face a winning team, you know, because with New England dropping to 2-3, and three, you know, that, that was probably the best team that they played, but, you know, they had good quarterbacks, but they're already 5-0 and in non-division games, and they're only tough division games, non-division games are going to be, you know, taking on Philadelphia on the road, which may not be hard, and then Buffalo on the road in a couple weeks. Right. Unbelievable. Johnny, here comes the talk show host in me right now, okay? I know this is your podcast. I know that it is, but here comes the talk show host in me. I I have to ask you, what is going on up there in Seattle? What is going on in the Emerald City? How, How... where is this explosion of offensive football coming from that doesn't look like the Seattle Seahawks offenses of past? Mm-hmm. Well, what's happened is that uh, a couple things. First, in the case of Russell Wilson, who continues to get better and better, I mean, he's having the MVP season that's not happened for him in a year. The big theme this offseason was let Russ cook. 
And what that means, and you watch them in so many games, uh, you know, where it'd be in the fourth quarter, all of a sudden he picks up the game, you know, runs, passes, has the fourth quarter comebacks. Well, the thought was start it earlier. And he was even pushing this to start it in the first quarter. And so he starts the season out, you know, throwing more on first down, which he didn't do just handing off on first right. or second down. And so uh, for the first few weeks of the season, he was the number one quarterback rating on first down passing. He's now been able to raise the tempo in the first three quarters of the game to a point where just about in every game, they've had somewhat of a double-digit lead. Now, they didn't necessarily early in the Minnesota game because Minnesota played you know a cover-two zone, and they couldn't get the ball deep, which he's so good at doing, and had to keep throwing underneath stuff and couldn't get things going until the third quarter. But letting Russ cook has been the key and the development of DK Metcalf. I mean, DK Metcalf has come on uh, and is having a Pro Bowl season, and now he's technically become the number one receiver on this team. You know, particularly when Russ needs a big play, he goes. He still has Tyler Lockett, but he goes to DK Metcalf. Metcalf's on pace for almost a 1,600-yard season. Oh, my goodness! That is a gap. Somebody give me the handkerchief to cover my mouth. That is unbelievable right there. But I'm just watching it, and it's not like the guys can't run the ball. It's not like the Seahawks can't run either, right? Because it's just that you, you guys are throwing the ball, and it's like chunk play after chunk play. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it. Wrapping it up here, talk to me about the defense, because obviously that was going to be the key to the season. You know, and of course, uh, the defensive numbers have been good. At one point, it was a top 10 type of defense, and I think it's still in that range. But now, no Chandler Jones, and Vance Joseph has done a good job increasing the blitzes and all that stuff. Where is this defense, and how good is it? Okay, we're going to find out how good it is based on how they play against the Seahawks. That much I will tell you right now, because they haven't played, they haven't faced anything like the Seattle Seahawks. Week one, of course, they faced Jimmy G and the 49ers, but you know the 49ers are more really about running the ball. Their running game is really, really important. They use a lot of play action to throw the ball off of that. Plus, they did not have Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel in those that first game. So... It was easier for the Cardinals. The Seattle Seahawks represent a, a caliber of offensive football that this defense has not seen until this point. You're right. They lost uh, Chandler Jones, which is a massive loss for this team. I, I, I can't think of two other guys that would be bigger losses uh, than Chandler Jones. Maybe Kyler Murray, of course. Maybe DeAndre Hopkins. But Chandler Jones is right there in how he impacts his defense. It's not just physically going out there and the tangibles that he brings to the field. It's also the intangibles that Chandler Jones has. And I I loved what I saw out of Vance Joseph. I thought it was his best game as a coordinator since he's been here on Monday night against the Dallas Cowboys. I know it was Andy Dalton, and it wasn't Dak Prescott. That was a big difference, no doubt about it, but... The Cowboys still have an awful lot of talent around Andy Dalton. And I thought that Vance Joseph did a great job dialing up five-man pressure packages and going after Andy Dalton, and sometimes even bringing six, sometimes even going with a blitz and bringing six and going after Dalton. But I thought he, he 
really shined in the five-man pressure packages going after Andy Dalton. And the defense played very, very well. He, he generated pressure via scheme instead of lining up Chandler Jones and saying, you're just better than the tackle trying to block you. Go get the quarterback. So I think that's a half rest of the is complex pressure packages. Um, not as to do to the kind of pressure Ron Wolfley, always great talking to you. Too bad that uh, you know because of the pandemic and that I won't see you at the game. I'll be doing the Cardinals sidelines, believe it or not, from uh, here at my house, which is very unusual. But, of course, it's an unusual year. But it's always great to talk yeah. to you, and thanks for joining us on Schooled with the Professor. Absolutely, Johnny. A bless you, and you can check out <clears throat> School with the Professor. It's available on any device that you can get. On uh, And, of course, uh, we do this every week. Hey, listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we get out the report card. Get some grades going. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for the report card with the professor. The report card we get out every day. We get to look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories, we take the anecdotes, we take social media comments, and we also take voices <clears throat> and we attach grades to it. Curtis Rogers here every day to give us the report card. Well, John, let's get started with maybe the blooper of the 2020 Uh-oh. season. Daniel Jones had. Oh. Just absolute daylight in front of him, about 90 yards of grass and no one near him. Uh, here is the call from Joe Buck, uh, Daniel Jones's unfortunate run. <laughs> from the 12, Jones keeps, gets a block, takes off, and he is gone. Trying to stay upright, and he trips. Absolutely all alone, and he trips. Now, the the turf monster got him there, John. But you look at the stats, 80-yard run, which is one of the longest ever by a quarterback. I believe Terrell Pryor has the longest ever. It was like 92 yards. So Daniel Jones put himself in the record books last night with the length of his run. He got up to, I believe, a top speed of 21 miles an hour, uh, one of the 10 fastest runs of of the year so far. But John, he just he could not stay upright. Fell over himself. Uh, ended up getting touched down at about the ten yard line. Luckily, the Giants were able to put it in the end zone. But John, how are we grading Daniel Jones's unfortunate mishap? I'm going to have to give it a C minus because I mean I, I would give it an F just because again nobody was there to tackle him. But I'll give him a little bit of a better grade because he was able to get the touchdown drive and finish it. So he still got the seven points. But I mean you know but what's weird is they're comparing that uh, to the Mark Sanchez butt fumble. And because, you know, again, there was nobody near him and it almost looked like he had such a lead that some of the defenders chasing him down were quitting. And so it was such an easy one. And just to be there at the 20 yard line and just fall down, that's terrible. And of course, how do you kind of figure what Daniel Jones really is? Because, uh, you know, he's I mean, here, listen to these strange stats. You know, he's got 34 turnovers in his first 20 games. And uh, Ryan Leaf has the record in his first 20 with 41. Okay, here's the other one. In his last 18 games, he's 0-15 against any other team that was not named Washington. He's 3-0 against the Washington football team and 0-15 against the rest of the league. I mean, go figure that one out. 
Yeah, just a bizarre start to his career. And then last night, I mean, I don't think anybody thought that he had the kind of speed that he did on that run, which I think that's saving him from the fact that he was able to put 80 yards on the scoreboard and also reach such a speed that I don't think anybody thought he could do. That's what's saving him from an F grade. It was a great play yardage-wise. But if he had just stayed upright, it would have been mm-hmm. one of the great highlights of the year. I'm going to give him a D-plus on it. Uh, that's what's saving him from getting an F, is is just how much yardage he picked up on the play and the fact that he was doing it uh, very, very quickly. Uh, John, also on the report card today, or well, yesterday, we heard Russell Wilson uh, talk about uh, just Antonio Brown and, and why he is so interested in him, if he thinks he would be a good fit on the team. Uh, he was asked about how he can re- or how Russell Wilson is, or if he's able to reconcile the off the field problems that Antonio Brown has had uh, over the last couple of years. Here's what Russell Wilson had to say. You know, I think that he's obviously made some mistakes along the way. There's been a process for that, and he's um, had to deal with it and go, go through it. You know, and. You know, I, I pray for anybody, honestly, who goes through anything, you know, and that's just me. That's my nature personally, you know, and, you know, I never wish anything bad on anybody. That's just kind of me, you know. You know, with Antonio, I I think that, you know, he's gone through this process. I know he's gone through so many things throughout the NFL process and everything else, and I don't I, 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 I don't know the whole, the whole full, you know, process of it all, but I do know that, uh, you know, hopefully he gets to play football again and, um, you know, hopefully he gets a second chance just in his, in his process. John, how are we grading Russell Wilson's answer to the question of how he can reconcile what Antonio Brown has done off the field uh, in, in as the Seahawks look to be courting him over the next couple of weeks? I'll give it a B, even though, again, I'd like to give an F to any idea of getting Antonio Brown on this team. But uh, <clears throat> I think the idea that uh, they've developed a friendship and he's trying to take care of a friend, a friend who really is talented, there's no doubt. I mean, guy that had six 100-plus catch seasons when he was in Pittsburgh in six consecutive years – but a guy that's really fallen upon hard times that he's caused by himself. So I'll give the honest answer to Russell a B. How about you? I'll give it. Uh, I'll give it a C minus. Yeah. I, I just. I, I don't I, like the idea. Exactly. I don't like the idea of Antonio Brown here. And everybody's like, oh, well, he served his time or he served his time in the NFL. And it's like, well, there's the possibility he could get more games tacked onto his suspension, depending on how this lawsuit that's still outstanding, uh, how this works out. I think Jeremy Fowler of ESPN made that note yesterday saying that, you know, Antonio Brown isn't out of the woods yet. And so if he does get anything tacked on further, you wonder if it's going to be worth it for the Seahawks to even entertain the idea of signing Antonio Brown. My hope is that. I mean, that this just rumor kind of dies down. I mean, I don't want anything bad for anybody to happen, but I just kind of hope that it it goes away. The fact that, you know, this, I think, I hope the Seahawks just kind of say, you know what, we're wiping our hands clean of this situation. Antonio Brown's welcome to come back to the NFL, but not with our organization. Uh, I'd be okay with that. Uh, And then finally, John, on the report card a couple weeks ago, and this isn't the first time this has happened either. Tom Brady snubbed Nick Foles, Bears quarterback. He snubbed a handshake from him for whatever reason. Didn't seek him out after the game, after uh, the Bears beat the Bucks on Thursday Night Football. Tom Brady was asked about that yesterday in his press conference as to why he may or may not have some beef with Nick Foles. Here's what he had to say. Hi, Tom. You had a, a nice post-game exchange with Aaron Rodgers and the same with Drew in Week 1 and even Justin Herbert after the Chargers game. Is, is there a reason why you didn't seek Nick Foles out after the Bears game and headed for the locker room? There's been some folks wondering about that, and I want to see if you could clear that up. 
I didn't even think about that. So I, I think Nick Foles is a hell of a player and a uh, Super Bowl champion. I don't know one reason or another why I wouldn't do that. But um, I don't know. Some, sometimes I've run off the field. Sometimes I haven't. Um, sometimes if I have a personal relationship, um, like I have with Drew and Justin and um, and uh, uh, Aaron over the years, I don't know. I don't think it's anything in particular other than I have great admiration for Nick and, and uh, he's a hell of a player. They're off to a great start. Tom Brady almost forgetting Aaron Rodgers' name. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe yeah. the second best quarterback of, of Brady's career, or at least in the conversation with Peyton Manning in there and Drew Brees. But, John, how are we grading Tom Brady's answer as to why he may have uh, not shaken Nick Foles' hand? Yeah, D, because, again, it's like, uh, don't you think you should shake the hand of the guy that beat you in the Super Bowl? when he's you know, there in Philadelphia, and it's like uh, re- out of respect. It seems like he's just bitter that he ended up losing that game to a backup quarterback at that time. And so it's like uh, I just think there's more to it. I don't think he's being totally forthright, so I'm going to give it a D. Yeah, I'll give it uh, I'll give it a D plus. I mean, Nick Foles has had the upper hand on Tom Brady maybe more than any other quarterback besides Eli Manning. <clears throat> so, uh, Tom, you got to give credit where credit's due, and it's due to Nick Foles. That is it for today's report card, John. Hey, be sure to check out the Professor's Notes at 710sports.com. The Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at 5. Coming up next, we're going to go into Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line and take your text questions. 710-710 is the text number. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. It is time to go on a busy hard seltzer text line, and so you can text us at 710-710. And so, Curtis, what do we got? John, let's take a look here at the text line. The 360 wants to know, what's the latest on a possible Pete Carroll extension? I think uh, pretty good. I mean, I know they're talking about it, and my guess would be if they do something, it's you know two or three years. I mean, it's going to coach him into his seventies, and I mean, you can see that uh, you know how good he is. I mean, he's got the first five and zero start. I mean, he's in the Super Bowl run this year, has a chance for the number one seed. You know, coached it pretty well, even though the team wasn't as. Uh, talented, I guess you could say, last year as it is this year, and almost got the number one seed. So I think that uh, somehow, at some point this year, they'll get some kind of an extension. 253 wants to know, John, how would you grade Jimmy Graham's start to the season with Chicago? I give it a B. I mean, he's done well. I mean, this is the best I've seen him play in maybe three years. I mean, he hasn't got, he's got a little bit of his speed back, but it looks like, uh, you know, he's a nice fit in that offense and uh, is doing some good things. Got his first touchdown of the season last week, so I'm going to give him a B. This one from another 253 number. They want to know, how long do you think Mike McCarthy will last in Dallas? It's, uh, I mean, I, I think you know, it's got to be probably three years, but then you wonder. I mean, he's, according to my numbers, he signed a $9.5 million a year contract, and he got five years. And so maybe there's a 50-year option on that. But it's like, oh, you want to eat you know, the guaranteed $47.5 million after like you know, half a season? And so, uh, you know, I think they have to make some changes on the coaching staff that will happen maybe during the season, particularly on defense. But, uh, you know, with the economically, in a year where money is going to be down, can you afford to do that? And can you afford to go ahead and try to hire a replacement? It's like it's, it's a mess. This one from the 425, they want to know, John, how likely is it that Brian Schottenheimer 
is a head coaching candidate for other teams this offseason. Well, I think he has to be a head coaching candidate this year because, again, you know, there's going to be seven or eight jobs that will be open. I think that uh, you can see that he's done such a great job with Russell Wilson. And so if you're a team that has a quarterback that uh, you're trying to you know, develop, and that's what coach, that's what owners are looking for right now, they're looking for those offensive play-calling coaches that can develop quarterbacks. You know What he's done in advancing and working with Russell Wilson, I think it puts him on the radar. You know, uh, you know, I, I think Eric Bieniemy right now is the leading candidate to get some of these jobs, and I think the second leading candidate is uh, Arthur Smith at Tennessee, who's done such a great job with that Tennessee offense with Derrick Henry and also with Ryan Tannehill. And you know, I, like for example, I know I, I think Matt Eberflus has a good chance of getting the Houston job, but again, Houston could be a consideration because Ryan did coach down there as an assistant, so I think he's in, he's going to be in the mix. 253 wants to know which Cardinal will have more rushing yards on Sunday, Kenyon Drake or Kyler Murray? Uh, I think it's going to be Kenyon Drake. I mean, uh, because he's coming off a big game. Now, you wonder uh, how coming on a short week it's going to be tough. But again, you know, uh, you and in many ways you would want it to be Kenyon Drake because if it's Kyler Murray, you know he's probably getting some big chunk plays uh, running the ball, and that would not be good for the Seahawks. Now again, I mean he's good enough to get you know like ten carries and seventy six yards and those type of things, but I think right now you want to contain Kenyon Drake uh, as best you can. Two five three wants to know, John. Do you think Seattle will bring back Ken Norton Jr. next year? I think so, but uh, you know, we'll see how the season plays out. But say what you want. I mean, he's been able to add blitzes that this team didn't have before. I mean, he's got such a great working relationship with KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner. They make big stops when necessary, and uh, you know, don't look at the yards. Look at the wins. This is a good one from the four two five, John. They want to know: Do you think the Forty ers will draft a quarterback this year? I don't think so. I mean, they. Uh, I, I think right now they've got a consequence because think about the losses that they're going to have. I mean, most of their top cornerbacks, including Richard Sherman, their contracts are up. You know, they've got uh, you know now problems on the off and the defensive line. I think what they're going to have to do to you know clear some room to sign some guys is they're going to have to cut. Uh, you know, D Ford, the defensive end, Quam Alexander, the linebacker. You know, they have to find a way to get Trent Williams. I think they have other priorities right now than trying to draft a quarterback. From the 206, John, they want to know, do you think Zach Ertz is back in Philly next year? And if not, where do you think he goes? Good question. I mean, because now he goes on the injured reserve list for four to six weeks. And so now the Eagles, who are down eight starters on offense, they don't have their top two tight ends. And Ertz wants big money. I mean, he probably wants the $15 million. And the uh, Eagles right now are, what, $71 million over the cap. So I don't know if they can, they can definitely not try to do something like that. So. Uh, we'll have to see how they break this thing up, but I think that you know the run for the uh, Eagles right now is going to have a big breakup, and it's going to make a lot of tough decisions. Two oh six wants to know, John. Do you think Dallas is set with Andy Dalton at quarterback, or could they go and get somebody else? No, I think they're set with Andy Dalton. I mean, again, it's like uh, you know he's you know, he did not play well. Well, I guess I mean he didn't play well, but of course, I mean how crazy can it be when your entire offense almost the entire offensive line is out and now he's going to have to go into this game and Connor Williams is the only starting offensive lineman that they have because now we find out that Zach Martin's going to be in concussion protocol and not going to be able to play this week you know they're actually down to their fourth uh, tackle because they're undrafted left tackle uh, he's now got a knee injury so he's going to be out a couple weeks so I mean it's a tough thing I mean just go ask uh, you know 
Carson Wentz what it's like when you have four of your offensive line starters down. This one from the 425, John. They want to know if he does play on Sunday night, what percentage of snaps do you think Snacks Harrison will play? I'd say 10 to 15 maybe. I mean, just to kind of you know give Puna Ford and Jaron Reed some breaks. Because, again, it's like uh, you know they're going to be you know chasing some of those outside running plays and all that stuff. But you know, I don't think they're going to overdo it. And the big thing is I think they need to get him on the field. That's still not certain and get him on the regular roster. But uh, you know, you would th- I'd think 10 to 15 plays. From the 425, John, they want to know, do you think Richard Sherman remains with the 49ers beyond this season? Um, pessimistic right now. I mean, I think they want him because, again, he's such a good leader. He works so well with the corners. But then you've seen now he's missed pretty much most of this season. And, you know, if he's willing to sign for a hometown discount down there, maybe that can work. But, again, they've got so many big issues right now because they've got to get Kyle Yusick, They've got to get Trent Williams. You know, there's so many other other cornerbacks. I mean, uh, you know, and he's going to be the most expensive of their cornerbacks. And so I think that this might be it for him in San Francisco. But, uh, you know, he deserves to come back. Ooh, this is a good one, John, from the 206. Uh, they want to know which blooper was worse this season. Daniel Jones tripping over himself or DK Metcalf fumbling before the end zone? Mm, I'm going to give Daniel Jones because it just looks so bad. I mean, I know it was a Leon Lett moment, and it is a very good question. It was a Leon Lett moment to have the ball and just you know hold it up there and have it batted out and you know taking away what would have been Russell Wilson's 20th touchdown pass because you'd have 20 right now. But uh, you know, see when when there's nobody there. Now again, he probably didn't recognize it was a cornerback right behind him, but you know, in the sense that Daniel. Daniel Jones, what he had like a ten-yard gap, if not more, on everybody else, and he just trips in the in the twenty-yard line. Yeah, rough go of it for yeah. Daniel Jones last night. Then finally, John, let's wrap it up with this one from the four-two-five. They want to know who do you have winning on Sunday Night Football? I, I have Seattle winning because again, again, they're the better team. You know, it's a matter that this is a scary game because again, things have gone crazy for them in Glendale, Arizona. You know, with the fact that uh, in a one-year period, the Legion of Boom all ended there, but they all have been six zero and one. And right now, we're still trying to figure out what kind of a team Arizona has because you know they've had some easier type of games and fortunate type of games, but they've also lost the two teams they should have won against, which would be Carolina. Carolina and Detroit. That will do it for text questions, John. All right. So coming up next, we got our daily dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On demand with a 710 Seattle Sports app. And it's time for our daily dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. And so, Dave, just a professional uh, opinion here. Uh, what's your reaction to the news that uh, you know came out here in the last couple of days that my show on Saturday will go from 8 until 9. Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs will be able to get Seattle Sports Saturday back from 10 to 12. I think that's great news for everyone, John, and it speaks to your insatiable work ethic. And <laughs> I know uh, also that uh, speaking for the likes of Irish Minky and Dre and and um, all those guys, they're they're happy to have the chance to fire questions at you. So. Are you, I know you're looking forward to it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because uh, you know certainly what's been great for you know getting Sports Saturday for you know Taylor and Jacob and you know we gave them gave them a voice that they can continue to go on with. And of course, you know with the pandemic and you know for so long a time nobody allowed in the studio. You know they had to go right. on hiatus. But I'm so happy for the two of them to get Sports Seattle Sports Saturday back. And I'm so happy to be able to extend an extra hour to be able to take phone calls. 
was a good lead-in for Taylor and and uh, Curtis, and uh, I agree with you. There's two two young guys on the rise, and it's uh, it's good news for everyone involved. So. It's starting starting tomorrow, right? That is right. Tomorrow at eight o'clock, I'll go to ten, and then you know Seattle Sports Saturday goes from ten until twelve, and then of course after that, there's going to be a three-hour Cougar show, uh, followed by you know they're going to replay the huddle and they're going to play some of the big things that uh, you've heard on the station all week long. So basically, you know you're going to be football, 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 call, 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 news, 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 you know all the way from eight o'clock in the morning till uh, seven. And local, local, local. And local, 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 which is always very good. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. But, of course, that starts tomorrow. And, of course, starting on Sunday with the move to Sunday night football. I mean, right. how weird has it been for the Seahawks in uh, in Arizona? Because it's been oh, a place of good. Oh, and- weird. I mean, they don't lose there, number one. But the last time they played the Sunday night game there was that epic 6-6 overtime tie. One of the worst games that you can remember. Yet Arizona has had great success here. I think they've won five of six or something like that. So this is a this has been a um, this is this is what a division series is supposed to be. Uh, you know, the, your division opponent knows you better than anyone else. It's almost always unpredictable. Um, you know, you, you don't go by the book because because of those reasons. And this to me is the is the classic division series. It really is, and of course, you know, because you go back uh, in Russell Wilson's first game in the pros, you know, he lost to Arizona down in Arizona, and since then, he and the Seahawks are 6-0-1, particularly with that strange 6-6 tie over Arizona in Arizona, but also, in a one-year period, they lost the Legion of Boom. Because that's you know, you right. Could, that's right. Yeah, I Cam mean, Chancellor's for, suffered a neck injury in 217. Richard Sherman blew out his Achilles in that the uh, it was a Sunday night, night game, game, I believe. Yeah, a night game. That was a Thursday night game. Remember Thursday because... night game, right? And then uh, the next year, Earl Thomas ended up getting that fractured fractured leg that ended his Seahawk career. Yeah, so let's let's uh, keep fingers crossed that history does not repeat itself because uh that's the last thing the Seahawks need is to, to start stacking up injuries on the defensive side of it mm-hmm. especially after coming off a bye week where they should be relatively healthy right exactly and of course now you got Arizona you know they have <clears throat> the uh, Seattle has the bye week and Arizona's playing on a short week because they played the Monday night game and so uh you know you don't know how much that's going to factor into it and really as you know again we're seeing how good Seattle is going to be and how they do in this next five game stretch is going to determine, you know, are they going to be a real number one seed or not? If they can, you know, hold serve here and win in these five games, you know, then they're going to be in great shape. But again, this division is going to be tough. And now the challenge is going to be trying to go against, you know, some really good creative running teams that have decent quarterbacks. Exactly, and that know you. I mean, that's that's the other aspect about it, that, that know how you play a little bit, even though the Seahawks are a little bit different. And uh, this is a real challenge for the linebacking core in particular, I would assume, because Kyler Murray does a lot of things. Uh, he scrambles, but he also, as you know, John, they have plays that are that are designed runs for him as well. So he's, he's that Cliff Kingsbury is maximizing his impact on the game. That's a team that I think has got some confidence, even though they've got a bad loss or two. Uh, they're, they're definitely on the improve, and... It, uh, it, and, and speaking from the network perspective, I don't know why they waited so long to flex it. I mean, there's no better show in pro football than Seattle Seahawks, no matter who they're playing. Um, it's, uh, it's just an amazing, it's seemingly un- uncanny. They play these incredible fourth-quarter thrillers whenever, whenever they're on uh, national television, yeah. uh, on, on the focus games. So 
not surprising that they, they flexed it up there. Well, of course, it was only flexed, and it wasn't for uh, <clears throat> professional yeah, reasons. Yeah, for bad reasons. Yeah, because of the uh, Raider problems with uh, COVID-19, you know, because Trenton uh, Brown, the right tackle, got a positive test. <clears throat> and so on Monday, they had to isolate for five days their four other starting offensive linemen. And then the next day, I don't know how this happened, but, uh, you know, Trenton Brown had contact with Jonathan Abrams, the starting safety. And so, you know, he doesn't have that five-day gap. So he's going to miss the game, but the tests are all negative right now and positive enough to the point where Trenton Brown and the entire starting offensive line should be able to play. But the network didn't want to risk it. The league didn't want to risk it because it's too much money on a Sunday night game. Because not only do you have you know the Sunday night audience on NBC, but you also have the uh, you know the situation with Amazon because they pay more than sixty-five million dollars a game to at least put the games on TV, and so that you don't want to lose that. Right, because they're playing Sunday anyway. Right, they just moved to an earlier game, as you pointed out. So yeah, but see, they wouldn't have if, if they all of a sudden have no Sunday night. There's no Amazon on that. Exactly, exactly. So why not take a risk on the best show in football? Exactly. And so speaking of show, even after a day off last night, baseball resumes tonight with mm-hmm. the World Series game number three. And I know that you're Always going to be critical. pinned to the TV set. Looking forward to it. Always critical, uh, the odd-numbered games in the seven-game series, uh, and this one is a tremendous pitching matchup. Uh, Carl Morton, uh, who's been just uh, just outstanding, Char- Charlie Morton, forgive me, who's been just outstanding for Tampa, was outstanding for Houston, uh, has postseason experience uh, against Walker Bueller, who's been, uh, you know, with Clayton Kershaw notwithstanding, has been the best starter for the Dodgers. Uh, the series is even at 1-1. Um, it's, uh, it's, as we talked about, shaping up to be a very good one. First two games were very good. You got two pretty good starters going in this one. We'll see if, uh, Lau of Tampa getting hot has, has changed the, uh, you know, the, the sort of the, the equation for the Rays who'd been doing so well without him. Now they've got one of their best hitters hitting the ball, hitting two home runs in the last game. So. Uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to it. No question about it. Yeah, and of course it's been it's been such a great one. I mean, where would you rank? Uh, as strange as the season's been with the sixty game season and you know the rough start with the Marlins, you know, losing uh, all those games, not losing the yeah. games, but losing the ability to play the games for such a long period of time. How would you kind of weigh, evaluate the way this has gone? Uh, I think it's gone real well at the end of the day, and, and I think that you're going to see some permanent things happen because of it. You've got the Universal DH working for National League and American League. Uh, it would not surprise me at all if that was just uh, quietly moved into play. Uh, I think that even though uh, fans aren't going to like it all that much, I think that um, you may see uh, the, the playoffs being extended like this happen again. Uh, playoff baseball is, is, is always great, and I, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them make an adjustment there. Not so sure that they'll change the extra inning rule either. Where they'll start, where they start with a runner on base. So um, I think that that um, you've seen them implement some things that might, and we'll see if that happens or not. You know, especially mm-hmm. the last one. But things that'll be implemented going to, towards the future, and the fact that they really uh, handled an outbreak and 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 survived it. And you know, it's funny you talk about the Marlins. They had to play like eight or nine double headers, and they still made the postseason. It wasn't a competitive disadvantage, and now they've 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 actually got their showcase going real well. So I would I would give them a very good grade. I think everyone has done so far so good, and the NFL is is dancing on the bubble a little bit, but so far so good for them as well. No doubt, and that's our daily dose of the Gros with Dave Grosby. What do you have on the agenda this weekend? Uh, John, I'm doing a, a broadcast with my old partner, the Gas Man, uh, starting up in about five minutes for uh, 
a fundraiser for, believe it or not, the Jamaican national basketball team. We're trying to get them into the Olympics in 2024. It's on Facebook and on YouTube uh, with uh, with a bunch of old buddies. Uh, so it's uh, it, that's coming up in about five minutes. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, that'll be great. So, And uh, have a good weekend. Have a good one to, in five minutes. And talk to you on Monday. Sounds great, John. Have a great one yourself. Okay, our thanks to Tyler Jacobs, and to Tyler Jacobs, to Curtis Rogers for all the help this week. And Curtis, looking forward, now again, extending the news that uh, I'm going to be on tomorrow taking phone calls from 8 to 10. You and Taylor Jacobs are going to be on from uh, 10 to 12 with Seattle Sports Saturday. Yeah, well, yeah, keep it locked here all day tomorrow. Plenty of coverage leading up to the huge Seahawks game on Sunday night. And uh, John, we'll uh, we'll be obviously listening to you as we get ready for our show, and uh, we got plenty to talk about. Yeah, tomorrow. well, you may have some cross talk because to get Saturday Sports Saturday back, I think is great. Okay, that, and we'll talk tomorrow, and of course, be back on Monday. It's the John Clayton Show, seven ten ESPN Seattle.